Before I open in prayer, you may notice some of you that you've got party poppers on your seats. Yeah. Don't use them yet. But what they're for essentially is when you, throughout the evening, when you hear some good news, pop it. In celebration. Yeah? Simple. So use it wisely. Um, I'm just going to open up and commit the evening to God before we go anywhere else while we wait for the others. We can wait in very awkward silence. (laughs) Yes! Wisely used. (laughs) All right. Oh, we got the hogs. <gasps> hey. Baby hog. Hey. Brilliant. All right. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather like this on an evening. Just as a family. Um, and I want to commit this evening to you right from the start, Father. I want to say that tonight. Uh, you would shape us. Tonight you would, by your spirit, there would be a, just a sense of drawing us together, Father, as a family, as a community, as a unit, as a representation uh, of you, God. And uh, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would have utter freedom and uh, for you to come and roam, for you to come and stir hearts and uh, do what you've got to do. Lord, because it's what it's about. And I pray that you would tonight, you shape us, you shape our culture as a church. You'd uh, help us to sing kingdom mentality, Lord, as opposed to earthly mentality. Lift our eyes, Father, to what's of you. And Lord, help us to just look away from stuff that's distracting, that's not actually helpful or that's not of you. Father, I pray for this evening to be an evening of building faith, building family, community, getting stronger. Lord, and um, being able to go out from this evening, being inspired and encouraged, the fact that you are at work among us, and you are leading us right from the front, and we look to you, God. So we declare that this evening belongs to you, and you have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sally? Hey! Hey! We're going to have some fun tonight, I can feel it. Right, okay, well, we are having fun. We've had a season of um, baptisms, and there is quite a few that we want to talk about tonight, but we've just talked about one tonight because we can't fit everything in. So it's exciting news. So I'm going to lead you to the video, and I think we're ready. Over to the video. Hi everyone. Um, so Sally, Sally asked me to give a brief, I guess, testimony or kind of, or just give a bit of an explanation of how my life has changed since I've been baptised. And she's asked me to speak for about five to eight minutes. And initially, I thought I might not be able to, but 
as I've been thinking more about it, I think there's a lot of things that I would like to share and say and how Jesus has changed my life for the better. Um, he has improved my, the relationship with my mum. My mum's not very well at the moment, so it's a challenging relationship, but I've been able to forgive her and help her and be the best daughter that I could be to her. Um, he has, um, so it's been two years since my previous job, I was in marketing and working with music and artists and celebrities and I think I, I grew out of it or I grew out of the people that I was working with and the values that they had and what they stood for and it took me, so it's taken me about two years now, um, but my I've got a job now which I'm starting in the third of the members, a support worker with Sarah Ellis, Woo! Um, I can't wait to get started. Hannah Utting obviously works there as well, as does David. Um, and it just feels like it's the complete right thing to do. And he's giving me, I guess, since being baptised, and it's been two months now, two months and a bit, it's my life, my life, my life has completely changed. I just feel so much more peace, so much more tranquility, so much more love for everyone, just forgiveness and grace, and I just all these things just ooze out of me, and I'm finally, I guess, the person that I knew I could be in him. Um, so yeah, so it's just been an absolute roller coaster ride, but it's been absolutely incredibly amazing, and I can't wait for him to be doing a lot more work on me. Um, so I said it was going to be five minutes, but it's not. <laughs> it's only about two minutes. But I think that is it in a nutshell. And you know, if you see me in church, and just feel free to, to speak to me more about what else he's done, because I could ramble on for a very long time. But you'd probably get very bored of my face. Um, so big love, everyone. Uh, wish I could be there, but I'm in Ibiza raving. Not really raving. Maybe a bit of raving. Maybe not. Um, but I'll see you guys very soon. Bye. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Well, actually, if you're thinking about getting baptised yourself, and oh, I've not got around to doing it yet, please speak to your DC leaders or speak to one of the elders or come and see me because um, we like to party again when we have baptisms. So, yeah, please speak to one of us if that's something you're thinking about. Great. Thanks, Sal. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about staffing structure. Yes! Yes! The rest of you can save your poppers for the finances. That's, I, know, I know that's what you're all passionate about. Um, basically, um, over the summer, we've had quite a transition um, in terms of the way that uh, the staffing structure uh, kind of operates a little bit. Um, so I'm just going to kind of talk through uh, essentially what the office or what the staffing structure is going to look like from this point onwards, um, really. So uh, basically over the summer we've had a period of transition. We've advertised for two jobs um, and we filled both positions, which is fantastic. Um, the process has been largely um, overseen by Beth on behalf of the trustees. So I want to give a massive thank you to Beth. <laughs> 
yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's been it's been successful. Yes, um, it's been fantastic. Um, so the first the first thing is Steph. Steph, why don't you jump up? <laughs> Stefan, you, you can stay. You can stay standing. You can stay standing. Just stand there. Um, so Steph previously has been working four days a week um, for the church and then one day uh, contracted out to RM. Um, from September that increased. So now Steph is doing two and a half days for the church and then two and a half days for relational mission. Um, combined with that, uh, Steph's taken on um, the lead program, uh, which I know some of you are uh, already currently enrolled on, um, and basically overseeing kind of, if you like, the theological development um, of young leaders coming through um, in the relational uh, mission and um, uh, relational mission churches. Ooh, get the name right. Um, but yeah, um, so Steph, just stay standing for a second. At this point, I just want to interject with Simon. Simon, why don't you jump up quickly? Um, Simon, Simon, you can stay standing just for fun. Um, Simon has been, uh, Simon has been on staff. <laughs> Simon has been on staff two days um, a week and has carried a lot of pastoral responsibility within the church. Um, in this next season, and as they look to move to Frankfurt, which we'll hear more about um, a little bit later on, um, Simon is stepping back slightly, but he'll still be working on a consultancy basis um, as we transition some of the pastoral um, stuff over the next few months or so. Um, so Simon, if you can kind of fade out. There he goes. Ah, it's all right. We still love you. Um, uh, probably the the most significant change is um, Adam having come on board. Um, so Adam, why don't you jump up? Whoa. Adam's uh, bring. Adam has been brought on five days a week um, to work for the church. A part of that is to pick up some of the stuff Simon was doing, but also to, to drive things forward, um, which is why where Simon was doing two days, um, Adam's now uh, full-time. Um, and so essentially Adam will be, as it says on the screen, um, strategically implementing the vision of Revelation Church. Um, at the moment, what that gloriously looks like is working his way around a lot of gospel communities and putting a lot of uh, good foundations into the communities that we have. Um, so a lot of you leaders will already have met with him and things like that, and he'll be continuing to do that, as well as other things as uh, we really get moving um, and progressing uh, with that. Um, and then obviously we have Sally. Why don't you jump up? Whee! Sally Utting. Um, who is doing four days uh, at the moment, split between CAP and Food Bank. Um, again, we'll talk a little bit more um, about Sally's role a little bit later on. Um, and then uh, Dave. Where's Dave? Dave, there he is. Jump up, Dave. Dave is our office manager. Um, what a photo. What a man. Um, Dave is... Dave is our office manager at the moment um, and will be... Uh, well, the plan is that over the next year or so we'll be transitioning to Germany with the Tarries. Um, and at, at <laughs> Simon's happy about that. Um, yeah, we, we are all sorry to see him go as well. So, um, but yeah, so, um, so that's, that's kind of uh, where the office manager role is at at the moment. Um, and then lastly, where's Ruth? Why don't you jump up, Ruth? Yay! Ruth, Bra- <laughs> 
Um, Ruth has come on on a voluntary two-days basis to support Sally um, in her role um, as uh, she looks to broaden some of that responsibility and things. Um, and Ruth will be uh, yeah, working two days a week. She's on a placement from Spurgeon's College. Um, she'll be working two days voluntarily, um, so she would, I'm sure, appreciate your um, love and support and meals and care and everything like that. So please do uh, make her feel very welcome and very much a part of um, things and love her. Um, really bless her. Um, Sally, why have you sat down? Dave, why have you sat down? Great. Okay, so these are our wonderful um, staff team. Um, so they do a fantastic job and they put in so many hours um, and they really do make things uh, function so much better. Um, and believe me, if they weren't doing it, you would notice very quickly. Um, so guys, let's love them. Uh, why don't we give them a round of applause? Thank you. at the ready because now we're going to talk about finances oh come on that was your moment to shine no okay fair enough um, <laughs> um, so just a quick update on the finances um, and where things are up to um, so some of you at the back might not be able to see as the slides scroll through um, but I will talk through what it looks like um, kind of yeah if you have any more detailed questions that you want to ask then please do come and approach me um, approach Zaina, uh, I'm not sure if she's here yet or um, will make it tonight, um, but yes do please approach us um, or you can email uh, admin at Revelation Church and they can pass on any questions um, that you have, okay so first things first what this uh, demonstrates is our income versus our expenses, so what it looks like for the first half of the year, um, you can see actually the income and expenses are tracking relatively similar um, we had a huge influx in May. That was due to a gift aid that came back um, that really uh, bulked up the, the resources, if you like, um, and put some money in the bank, which is absolutely fantastic, um, which we are fantastically excited about. Um, and then you will notice that uh, kind of over the summer, so August, September, um, that annual trend that has uh, come, come back year on year um, has continued. Um, so our giving has slightly dipped over the summer, um, partly as people uh, go on holiday, partly as people, um, you know, have other priorities and other things going on. Um, so that's, you know, something to be aware of. Obviously, we want to try and minimize, <laughs> minimize that effect. Um, throughout the years um, but yeah hopefully hopefully, as, as summers progress we can overcome that um, and so next slide just get woo, fancy fancy you can tell ads is on it um, so um, here just gives us a breakdown um, of where the expenses go um, so I had a quick calculation um, and it's, it's, it's almost um, it's, well, almost a third on each third in terms of um, salaries and training, third on um, meetings um, and office and resources and things like that, and then a third almost um, on giving, so things like CAP, food bank, um, and other giving that we would do as a church. Um, if you want more detailed breakdown about where the money actually goes in terms of itemized categories and things, we can do that. We're totally up for that. I've had numerous conversations about it and will be delighted to have numerous more conversations about it um, but that's just to give you an idea of where it's going um, and then uh, the next slide will show us hopefully 
Yes, there we are. Um, an expected or projected end of year. So based on uh, the income over the, first, the previous six uh, months up to the end of September um, and then continued right through to the end of the year. So that would be the end, uh, 31st of March um, next year. Um, our income is the blue line. That's the one on top, we, which is great. Um, the red line is the one underneath, um, which is our expenses. The good thing is it is underneath, um, although for those that have particularly keen eyes, uh, you might notice that those lines do get progressively closer together towards the end of the year. What this reflects is partly the gift that we had in May um, from the gift aid coming back um, and then, if you like, staggering that throughout the year. And so looking for our, our expenses, our, well, our expenses are just under our income on, on a monthly basis, which means... If we need to grow, then we need to grow in our income. Uh, we need to grow to outstrip our expenses so that actually we're not continually relying on our gift date, which we have been for some years. And that's starting to tail off um, as we grow in terms of our giving and grow in terms of the income, um, but we're not quite there yet. Um, and you can see that as the lines get closer and closer together as we get closer and closer to March. Um, Perfect. So what do we do in response to this? Well, there's two main things that we uh, should do. One is that we should thank God for his incredible provision. Um, God has been fantastically faithful to us. Um, he's he, amen. Come on. Come on. The chair of the trustees. He knows all about it. <laughs> Um, God has been incredibly faithful um, it, through thick and I mean thick and thin really um, and so you know it really is um, about honouring him and glorifying him and recognising that actually it's him that sustains us it, it's him that keeps us it's him you know the numbers the bank balance that's all um, you know we just do the legwork if you like it's he, he that moves the money around he's the one that stirs hearts he's the one that brings money in and things like that and uh, we're just delighted to apportion it and steward it as best we can um, and in a way that honours and glorifies him. And second of all, um, we can be prayerful about our own contribution um, in terms of how we reflect on our own giving. Um, now it might be that this isn't something that you've done uh, particularly regularly. Um, I know for myself and Tanika that you know, we, we don't do it as often as perhaps we should, um, but every few months or so we just reflect in terms of where we're giving, where our heart's at. Um, do we need to increase our giving to the church? Do we need to increase giving to other people? To, you know, and all of those sorts of things. And I really want to encourage us to set ourselves um, faith goals for giving. Um, I think it's really valuable and I think it's really worthwhile. So I want to encourage us and draw us into that um, as we believe God uh, for bigger and better, especially if we're going to be a resourcing church as um, we passionately believe um, that he has. Um, if you want to amend any of your giving or fill out any um, gift aid forms, um, then there will be forms at the back. Uh, you can fill out a standing order form um, to, you, which you can send to your bank um, and that will just be something that then just happens on a monthly basis or weekly or however frequently you want to set it up. Um, if you are a taxpayer, um, you will know if you're a taxpayer, um, then please fill out a gift aid form um, because the government, um, uh, lovely uh, people that they are, um, they uh, give us 25% uh, back as, uh, as a charity, which means that we can boost the giving uh, that taxpayers give, which is fantastic. Um, and then lastly, um, we had obviously the 10K run over the summer that we were uh, hoping to raise 10K for 10K. Um, and well, all of those that did the 10K, why don't you just jump up and stand to your feet? Hey! 
I don't, don't sit down, I want four laps of the block. <laughs> no. um, the, the great news is that uh, we managed to raise the 10,000, which is fantastic. Um, and we were, we, were, we were aiming to raise 10,000 so that we could take Sally on for um, more days uh, for Kaplan Food Bank. Um, and so at that point, I'm now going to hand over uh, to Sally. Okay. Right, I'm going to start off with Kat first. Right, you can see up there with the good news. The good news. The good news. Um, there's ten... Thank you. I know you're tired, but... Um, right, so 20 clients have become debt-free. Next week it'll be 21. Just thought I'd put that bit in. Um, and then we've got 10 clients that avoided evictions, which is absolutely massive. Really massive. Um, yeah, that's a big one for me because uh, people have to wait for appointments at the moment. And that's one thing that I asked, how is it at home at the moment? Because I don't want them to be evicted. Um, and then we've got 39 current clients. Um, at the moment, that's who I'm working with at the moment, 39 clients. And then on that, we've got bookings up to January 2015. So it's a busy old time. How you might think, how do clients get in contact? Well, we have leaflets that are cap client information with a free phone number. And they contact that number. And then when they've contacted the number, they're through to the head office at Bradford. They get to look at my diary and place the bookings in of the clients. And some of them have to wait a long time. For example, I saw a client on Monday. She had to wait four months. During that time, I phoned her, contacted her, talked to her, and then by the time I was getting to see her, I said, are you still okay with me coming on Monday? And she said, yes, I can't wait. We go there, and I'm really privileged to say that we had, I had Abby, Abby David with me on Monday. I don't know if she's here. She's here. Oh, yeah. Oh, bless. She's on the end. Oh, hello. Anyway, so, um, yes, yeah, so Abby came with me on um, Monday, and we actually went to um, a very, well, another homeless person actually in a hostel, and it was a very dark situation, and before we went in, we prayed. We prayed that we would make a difference, that we'd be able to build a relationship. I just thought I'd tell you what text message I got at the end. And I have to say this is one of many because of you guys supporting me to do this work. This is because of you guys, all right? So don't forget that. Um, it says, thank you so much, Sally. It was a wonderful meeting, you and Abby. You brightened up my day. Thank you so much. And I've got another text message today to say, I'll never forget what happened yesterday. It was so beautiful. And it goes on. So we are making a difference to people's lives, not just financially, but also giving them a brighter future, building up relationships. And we've got some clients coming along for our tea on Saturday. But actually, it's building up friendships and relationships. And some people are really isolated. So this is how you're making the difference. 
So we have 20 clients that have either made a commitment to do this or recommitted, you know. Um, sometimes that happens on the first or second appointment, or sometimes it can happen, you know, a few weeks of getting to know them. Some of them are coming to church, some of them are going to other churches, or some of them are just known Jesus but can't quite make it to church yet for whatever reason. Keep praying for them, please. And then now, moving on to my food bank role. <laughs> so food bank, last year we fed 1,000, yep, yeah, in the last year we fed 1,047 adults. Two... <laughs> 289 children, making it a total of 1,336. And for those of you that were helping on Saturday, I didn't quite get those vouchers in to total this up. So. But can I say again, food bank wouldn't work without you lot coming on the rotor. And I mean that. You coming on the rotor means a lot. So if you come to Saturday morning and you've had a really hard week, Please know that it's making a difference coming. Those conversations, those caring opportunities. Sometimes people haven't seen anybody all week and then they see a wonderful friendly face. Do you want a cup of tea? Or do you want a coffee? They love it. They really do. And the total people that have been fed since we've started Food Bank? 2,333. <laughs> so keep the great work coming in. We've got lots of food in at the moment. If there's anybody that wants to talk to me at the end that wants to get more involved in any way, please come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you in terms of volunteering. We've always got our job to do in the week as well, but thank you, every one of you that are involved in Food Bank. I want you to give yourself a pat on the back. Okay, come on. <laughs> come on. That's it. There's more of you than that. I'm serious because it does make a difference. So thank you so much. Oh, hold on. Where are you going? Stay up here. So um, mum's uh, obviously been doing a really excellent job um, and originally we employed her as a church um, to look after CAP and then... Um, she also took on Food Bank, um, which has been amazing. Um, but it's kind of gone too well <laughs> in some ways. That, um, basically, the, as you probably can just get a sense of by the numbers, not even the, the actual individuals that those numbers represent, is an awful lot of people that we're being able to bless at the moment. And, um, and basically... Um, it's kind of it's too much for one person to to run with cap and food bank um, like mum does really. So um, a little while ago, cap actually approached us and said, um, you, "You've got one of the most successful cap centres in the whole of London." Um, which yeah, mum wouldn't say that, but it is. Yeah, and it's yeah, she's doing such a good job. Um, 
And I think we're quite used to seeing all those results, but a lot of cap centres, you know, they're looking at numbers under 10, and we're looking at, you know, 20 people debt-free. Um, and so it's just incredible. And uh, so they've approached Mum and asked her to start helping some other cap managers around London, um, which is really in line with, with what God's prophetic calling on us as a church to help other churches um, be released in serving the poor. So, um, so Mum's uh, going to be dedicating one day a week to that um, in the coming months and uh, what that basically means is that um, over the next few months or so we're going to start thinking about how we can best uh, manage the food bank and um, we probably will be looking at someone else to do a food bank manager role um, so we just kind of wanted just to say that now there's not a kind of a fully formed job description or, or um, process at the moment but just to kind of let you guys know and, and just think about it if you know of anyone that may be suitable or or if you yourselves um, would consider that role. Um, like I say, it's not fully formed yet, and um, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. But if you do want to chat about it, then you know, come and chat to me. Um, yeah, so well done, Mum. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Excellent. Um, I was going to talk for a few minutes about... Uh, how new people find their way into uh, the life at Revelation Church. Um, this may be for you. You may be here as a new person and is intrigued. How does that happen? It may be that you're just, you just, it's good to have it in your mind for people, friends, uh, colleagues, people that you will bring along to church over the coming years and knowing how they might find their way in. We are in such a strong position in this regard compared to where we were one year ago. It is so encouraging. About a year and a half ago, something like that, we had a, we had a semi-functioning integration team at best. And that was it. Now, here's how it works. We have a person who is clearly new. Uh, uh, and uh, and we <laughs> we want we want them to be able to find their home in a gospel community. Okay, that will be once someone finds their home in a gospel community, then it's like job done. Uh, as far as the welcome integration side of things is. That's, that's really the goal. Obviously at that point it's really important that there's a fully functioning gospel community that can um, welcome that person in and, um, and, and walk with them and all of that. Uh, that's something that the next six months to a year we're putting masses of our time, effort and resources into strengthening our gospel communities. So just to say that. But although at the moment many, many of them are very, very strong. But that's, that's the end game. That's where we want to get them to. And so, first way that they may find their way in is through the Welcome Gospel Community and Alpha. Now, these two things are both brand new for us. So, uh, I don't know, six months ago, these things did not exist uh, at the front door of Revelation Church. They were not options that we could feed people into. Now they are both there and they're pumping. How about where Papa's gone? Oh, we popped out. Okay, we popped out. All right. Um, this is am- this is really really amazing. The, the Welcome Gospel Community is is such a flourishing thing. It's a great team of people. How many how many guests do we currently have on this cycle? So weekly, there's 18 to 25 guests coming to the Welcome GC. Uh, thank you for calling me Duck. Uh, I love that. Uh, uh, it's a great thing. Uh, and uh, so. Every week, 
at the Atting's house, 18 to 25 guests that are new to Revelation Church looking to find their way in. We take them through basic, foundational Bible teaching over six weeks. Um, another week um, is for the family meeting, the other week is coming to intro rev. So it's an eight week cycle and uh, it's just absolutely pumping. Um, there's, Sally's got a wonderful team with her that are helping to run that and they're just having a really good time. So it's very, very strong. And then we've just started running Alpha with um, St. Luke's here and um, Johnny and Gemma, how's it going? Pop, 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 pop. That's great. There was a popper. It's so great to be partnering and uh, with our friends here and to just be uh, working through what it looks like to, to run Alpha together. So it's just a wonderful thing. So again, this is a really brilliant... Um, th- uh, sometimes people will maybe come to Welcome GC and, and actually realise as they're going through the stuff, I'm really not clear on Jesus so we can feed them into Alpha. Sometimes people may come straight on a Sunday and rather than going to Welcome GC, get them into Alpha first doors. They're just both options that are run by strong teams and that are going to do people good. And then, next arrow, we have our integration team, which, um, where's Andy Crawley? Andy Crawley, how many people, how many people, you, how many you got on your team, Andy? Andy's got a team of 12 people that are on on Sundays um, on Rota and also committed to meeting up with new people that are met on a Sunday and helping them find their way in to Welcome GC or to Alpha. Also, we are the integration team. So because there is a specially set aside integration team, please do not, uh, do not uh, kind of take that as an opportunity not to be friendly. It's so important that we express God's heart, isn't it, as the body of Christ. So that's all of us to one degree. And so, uh, and so uh, yeah, are there any more arrows or lines? There's one more line. Okay, right, great. Okay, so, oh, ah, ah, ah. Okay. So what happens is. Uh, ooh, ooh, yeah, hey! So. <laughs> um, we get excited about unusual things here. Uh, so basically, at the end of the day, someone can come along new, get straight into a GC. I actually didn't say that at the start. Uh, sometimes they, people just find their way straight in. That is totally valid. There are many different ways that people find their way into family. Um, and we really honour that. God has his way of leading people, doesn't he? Um, but we just want to make sure that we are doing what we can to fill the gaps so that all those who want to be a part of us can find their way in well. And it's, our confidence is not in this, um, but we do believe that by having a decent, a def- decent infrastructure, we can love and serve people well. And that's what we do want to do. Our confidence is in Jesus' promise to build his church and God's, God's longing for Jesus to be famous in the nations. That's, that's where our confidence is. But these things help. So is that, is that clear? Okay, so you, so hopefully, you know, you can, you, you know how it works. For new people, if you're new, you know how it works. There's all kinds of different methods, but get into a GC, and then you can work out how to be part of Rev from there. Brilliant. Okay, that is done. Now I'm going on to my second slot now, which is doctrinal developments. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. 
So, grappling with doctrine is uh, one of the things that elders do, um, part of an elder's job description. Um, generally speaking, now this is a slight oversimplification, right? So, I admit that at the start. But generally speaking, the, the sounder your understanding of God's word is, and, and your convictions that come out of that, the sounder your life will be. Okay? Because if, if you get it, if you get clear biblical teaching, and we all know there's mysteries and things that are harder to work out than others, but if you get the clear, clear on the clear stuff, you have a plumb line in your life with which to know whether you're walking straight or not. Uh, and so one of our responsibilities we take really seriously as elders is, is, is doctrine. It's part of how we uh, shepherd uh, here. It's part of how we uh, help see people come um, to maturity. And uh, one of the things we've been grappling with has been with regards to who qualifies uh, with preaching and teaching to the gathered congregation. Now the reason why that's been a subject of conversation uh, for us is because some scriptures seem to suggest anyone. Other scriptures seem to place limits. And so we've always, even since from the start of the church, had this conversation as a, first as an embryonic leadership team and now as an eldership team. It's not something that we've uh, ever really um, not spoken about. We've not spoken about it const- constantly, but I would say probably every, every year at some point we have probably some sort of conversation about it. And the reason why is because we do fear the Lord. And so, you know, if, if there's some elements of scripture which seem to suggest some certain conditions, we just want to take that seriously and not just kind of write it off or, or, or whatever. And um, so we, we, we do fear the Lord. And, uh, and also we recognise that much of what we do as elders in terms of our shepherding is teaching the word, whether that's in a big setting or in small uh, one-to-one settings. And so up till now, we've kind of just gone down a very sort of, uh, a very safe, minimalist line of those who preach and teach to the gathered congregation will be elders or those that we would say are, we're training up for eldership um, up till now. Um, I would also just asterisk that and say we are aware that at times we've not been consistent, our practice has not been consistent with our philosophy. And that's been, we've been aware of that and others have graciously highlighted it to us. And, um, and, and that has only enhanced our conversation further to really get to the bottom of what are our convictions. So after... Um, much reflection and intensified conversation on this matter over the last couple of years. This has led us to a point where we feel peaceful as elders from this point on for people to preach <clears throat> and teach in the gathered congregation who, number one, are known to and are in good orderly relationship with the leadership of the church. So they're known to the leadership and in good relationship with the church. Number two, have demonstrated in other settings a sufficient measure of preaching and teaching gift necessary and have been open and teachable to discipline and development of their gift. And then finally, are willing for their material to be looked at uh, and developed by one of the preaching elders before the sermon is preached. So, there it is. Uh, it's not a revolution, although it may appear so to some, um, but more a development in a conversation that's been live among us for years. It was either Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones or Charles Spurgeon who said this, I am nervous of a man who is always changing what he believes, but I am more nervous of a man who never does. And uh, so as elders, we always try and walk that line of not being stubborn and resistant for the sake of it, but at the same time not being weak 
and simply bow into cultural pressures and voices that you know make us feel pressurized in some way to do something so that we lead out of conviction because we have to answer to Jesus for the state of the church. Check that really, really seriously. Um, some of you may want to, to, to dig around that one a bit, a bit more reflection. There will be a paper on it that we'll release once it's written. Um, <laughs> it's in the process of being written. It's one of the ones that gets longer and longer. But um, in, in a few weeks' time, hopefully. So we'll, we'll work on that. Um, just to say, we totally recognise that all Christians know in part and prophesy in part. Uh, that's the same for elders. Um, so thank you for your love and patience, those of you that have graciously challenged us. You've done it really well. We've felt so supported and encouraged by you. We've never felt lent on. We've really felt um, supported by you, so we really appreciate it. We feel very honoured to serve you. Um, and please keep praying for us for other decisions that we need to make. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. I thought there might be a bit more excitement about that, but clearly not. All right, okay. Simon and Rich, let's talk Frankfurt. Great, uh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, great. Well, um, over the last, uh, I guess, month or two, um, there have been a few developments. Simon, why don't you fill us in with Frankfurt? <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Um, so for those of you who were at the last family meeting, which was in May this year, um, would have heard myself and Natalie talk about uh, moving to Frankfurt. Uh, it, it was and still is a relatively new development. Um, at Easter time, uh, the plans were we were in the process of buying a house or looking at buying a house in London, uh, staying on at Rev and increasing my role and capacity there. And uh, one day in the Easter holidays, I went for a walk and felt God speak to me and say that instead of doing all of that, that we should look at going to Frankfurt. And uh, to cut a long story short, uh, that, that kind of was confirmed and uh, God spoke to us very clearly and, and to others that we should, uh, instead of staying in London, move to Frankfurt to go and plant a church. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Natalie, my wife, is uh, from Germany. She's from the area. Uh, she's never, ever wanted to go back, and uh, I've never wanted to plant a church. So it really was um, a strong sense of calling uh, from God to do that and to go back. And um, the plan originally was to, you know, to let it sit a bit and see what God says and wait for some people to, to speak and uh, see what happens. But uh, it soon became quite clear that God was behind all of this. And uh, as soon as we started speaking to people within the church, but also sharing it within um, relational mission to those that we respect and, and sit under apostolically, um, there was lots of support and confirmation and um, lots of really good words of encouragement and um, yeah, enthusiastic words from everyone. Uh, so th- th- from the start really there seems to have been quite a momentum behind it. When we announced at the May family meeting our plan in originally was to say that we would be going in March next year, which would have been almost you know, a year since we felt God speaking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, things have been moving apace in, in a very good way. We've really felt God uh, behind all of this, both in terms of you know encouraging us, but also in uh, people committing to join us. Dave uh, being one of them. Uh, we've been meeting uh, virtually for the last couple of months as a team, praying, talking about planning for Frankfurt, which has been really exciting. Um, I went out to Helsinki uh, in the summer. 
to meet with other church planters and again God spoke very clearly there about going and, and uh, his plans for us there um, and it, it also in the summer we went out to Frankfurt we went for three weeks and the plan really was just to look around because although Natalie's from there we didn't, don't really know the city her family live outside of the city so we didn't particularly have a an area that God called us to, but we wanted to go and start looking around, which we did. Um, and on the last week of our week there, we uh, we started looking at online just at properties, and there's very little in our price range really that was available. And by little, I mean about three houses in the entire city. Um, and uh, we went to see one house on uh, you know on, the, on our last week there, and um, it had every single thing on our wish list and more pretty much it fulfilled a few prophetic words that god had given uh it had a it's got a lovely big living room for a church plant to be hosted in it's uh 10 minutes from the city center it's close to the airport it's got great schools everything we wanted and uh, we thought well it's got all you know we never thought we'd look for a house but it's everything we want and more and we just got a good sense of god in it and uh and everyone who saw it loved it, including Natalie's folks. And we put in an offer. And uh, anyway, the, the end of that story is we got our keys tomorrow morning <laughs> for the house. Uh, yeah. So what would normally be quite a long, drawn-out process has, has been very, very quick. Um, and, and again, we see God's hand in that. Um, and uh, yeah, amongst all other plans. So yeah, we have a house from tomorrow in Frankfurt, which is good. Um, so then Nassie and I started just thinking and praying about it all. And we felt, you know, we do feel an urgency about it all. Um, and an excitement and sadness and scared all at the same time. And um, I, I basically said said to the elders that I really feel that things have come together a lot quicker than we imagined. Um, you know, I think the church is looking in a really good place. Adam's come on board. There's lots of support coming in place. I'd, I'd love to consider going a bit sooner. Um, and, and we had a conversation about it, being back and forth. It wasn't, it was certainly not just a yes. It was thinking through the implications and is, is God in this? And um, ultimately, the elders have said that they are supportive of that. So, um, Nassie and I and our three, now three boys, uh, will be leaving at Christmas, um, meaning this is my last family meeting with you. Oh. I know. And, um, yeah, our last Sunday will be the 14th of December. So, we have about uh, nine weeks left with you, and then we'll be departing for Frankfurt. So, it's uh, very um, mixed emotions, I feel. <laughs> We've been here for um, eight years and um, really consider it home and have a lot of very, very good friends. So um, we really want to remain very much part of Revelation Church and would love for you all to come and visit as much. One of our stipulations was to have a spare room and we have that, which in London is pretty rare, but we have a spare room and a garden. So there's plenty of room for you to come and stay. Uh, so we really would value your prayers and support over this time. Uh, we'll try and sp- get to spend time with as much of you as we can in the time we've got left. Um, but yeah, please be praying and um, thank you for your support.
in um, the book of James, uh, it says, why do, you, why do you plan about tomorrow? Why do you say you're going to go here and you're going to go there and you're going to buy and you're going to sell? Because um, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Um, and actually, when we plan these things and when we look at these things, we can often have in our mind a quite defined sort of timeline. Do you know what? That's what's going to happen. That's, that would be wise. That would be sensible. That would be um, the right thing to do. But do you know what? Sometimes God just blows that out of the water. And either it means people staying longer. So those of you that remember Tom and Emma um, were here for a year longer than necessarily they wanted to be. Um, sometimes it means God moves it forward and just accelerates the whole process, as has happened with Simon and Natalie. Um, and so, kind of, I guess the biggest the biggest issue is now what, how do we, as a church, respond to this um, in terms of the timeline moving slightly forward? Well, it's a mixed it's a mixed emotion. I can remember uh, re- <laughs> I can remember reading the email um, conversation that was going on um, on the train, and the first thing I heard about Simon and Natalie wanting to move a little bit earlier, um, I actually shed a tear. <laughs> on the train and just kind because of, you know the reality is that for some people it will be a very sad time um, for some people they will feel particularly unsettled um, for others you know the more go-getters are kind of more excited than anything and just kind of ready to you know let's go take Frankfurt um, but I suppose it, you know it, the appropriate thing is that actually although there is a mixture of emotions actually that's totally fine that's totally normal um, it's appropriate to feel sad um, when you know that you've got dear friends that are going to be um, moving to Frankfurt, um, dear friends that you won't see as much of, that you won't see every Tuesday morning, um, you know, a family that you've seen uh, grow, um, multiply, um, <laughs> and, you know, they've blessed you and you've blessed them, and, you know, families that you've partnered with, it is a sad time. Um, but... Um, at the same time, it is an exciting time in that as a church, we believe that God is in this. Um, and it's an exciting time, not just for Simon and Natalie, but also for us as a church. Um, it's an exciting time for us to be able to stand with them, to pray for them, um, to really resource them um, and send them, send them really well. So I'm, I'm actually really excited and sad at the same time. And do you know what? That's totally fine. That's totally fine. As long as we're not necessarily governed or we don't wallow in sadness or, or we get overexcited about the fact that they're going. Um, <laughs> but actually providing is balanced and it's done with a heart that is, that is pure, motives that are pure and actually before God, then actually it can be something we can really get behind as a church and really invest in. And the reality is even bringing the timeline slightly forward means that actually they will just need our love, need our support um, and need us to be as invested in them in a much more concentrated capacity um, over these next few months. Um, and to be honest, whenever we've met and prayed about it as elders, um, it's, there's just been an overwhelming sense of this, this, this is God. God's in this. Um, and God's doing something. And, you know, even the story of some Natalie, everything being accelerated, um, there really is an overwhelming sense of God's hand in this. Um, and so I'll, I want to pray for Simon um, and Natalie and the boys. Um, so why don't you just uh, pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this incredible family, Lord, that you have gifted us with uh, for this time. Lord, we thank you for... 
their passion for you. Lord, we thank you for their commitment to you. Lord, uh, their commitment to your word. Lord, their commitment to your body. Lord, we thank you for all that they've invested. Jesus, we thank you that they are real pillars. Lord, they are um, just such a family of real stature in you. Lord, we thank you for that they are all about your kingdom. They're all about building your church. They're all about reaching the lost and seeing your uh, kingdom come and your glory made known. Lord, and we pray that as they prepare things for Frankfurt, Lord, we pray that you would go before them. Lord, we pray just as with the housing situation, Lord Jesus, that you would open doors um, for them, Lord Jesus. And we pray for a really smooth transition. Lord, we pray that this would be um, a real time of, um, Lord, just bedding down and getting rooted in you. Lord, and it will be a time of you really feeding into the foundations of what you're doing in Frankfurt, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, bro. Good stuff. Great. All right. We're going we're gonna to launch some gospel communities tonight. Yeah. This is great. It's great to have arrows, but we also want pillars, right? Yeah, we want people that are going to stay, that are going to put their roots down, that are going to be load bearers, so we can really build something that is uh, that has the robust strength needed to really shine for Jesus in this part of London. Yeah. So, what, before we get these new gospel communities, we're going to we're going to kind of launch sort of three tonight. I mean, that's kind of unheard of for ages. That's worth a party popper or two. Not that I want to manipulate any action or anything like that. But anyway, obviously, I've not really got the party popper anointing tonight. Um, I thought I thought it'd be good. Yay! Thanks, Sally. Uh, Great timing. Uh, I thought it would be good. I just wanted to very quickly tell you the story of how we got to gospel communities. Right? Oh, I wasn't ready for that. That's exciting. Um, Just because it's important actually to rehearse where we are and why we do what we do. It's really, really important. So early days of the church... There's only about 40, 50 of us. We all do everything together. You know, it's quite easy to send a few texts out and everyone hears about it and we all do stuff together. Who remembers those days? A few of you still remember. Right, brilliant. So that's how it was. And remember missionary training. Who remembers missionary training? Yay! We, would, we, we, every, we put everyone through the church, this three-week course, where we basically taught the church is the missionary. It's not just one or two special people that we clap and send. The church is the missionary. He sent us here. And wherever we are, God has placed us there workplace, neighbourhood, if we're there it's because God's put us there and the Bible says that God ordains the times and places where we live in order that people might seek him and find him. So you are where you are in order that people might seek God and find him. It's wonderful. So that was our real emphasis and focus. We spoke a lot about that and then as a few years moved on we went to two congregations and I remember being in the morning congregation. And I remember being in the evening congregation. Yeah, that's because most of us were in both. And uh, but, but that was our little secret. And um, <laughs> that was great. Uh, and evening was all about pick and mix and uh, that sort of thing. And um, Jesus was glorified through it, though. So that was good. Um, and then we were, so we were probably about two congregations of between about 60 and 100 people with a big overlap. Um, but you could still, you know, you could still, you could still kind of make things work in terms of a few texts and everyone's in. And then it got to a point, which some of you may not even remember, because you particularly noticed this stuff as a leader, where we realised that more and more people were coming in but weren't finding their way in. 
They were joining something that had outgrown its previous way of working and they were falling through the nets because there were gaps everywhere. Because there comes a point where it's hard to keep moving just organically when you reach a certain size. And so we changed the structure, the way we did church, and we introduced gospel communities. And we said two things about gospel communities from the start. They must have in them up, in and out. Okay, Many small group structures in church life have up, prayer, worship, praise, and in, care for one another, but no out. And the danger with that structure is that things become insular. And we, we, we can just lose our kind of sharp missional edge. So we said, no, up, in and out. Ups and in still very, very important, but also out. And that, and that the out can be built around either reaching a certain people or around a certain passion or around a certain place. Remember the three Ps? People, passion, place. And so from the very start, there was a real variety. There was everything from St. Pancras Way, which, which has become a wonderful, big, strong, vibrant, purposeful gospel community. Um, but a very narrow mission. Very, very narrow focus. A small estate, a few hundred people, we're about this estate. And yet we're going to do family together, love one another, but this is what we're about. And who remembers the bread of life with balsamic? That was a classic Rev moment, if you were there. Luke Greenway got up to I've got, it made my vision, bread of life with balsamic. And the whole idea was, and I don't know why, I don't know why it didn't grow, but I don't. It was, we're going to eat food, and we're going to invite our friends. It was like, wow, what a brilliant idea. For some reason, didn't, didn't gather, but I don't know why. But that's a kind of much more general idea, but what it's doing, it's taking the original principles of missionary training, we're just making friends and just show, sh- shining our light, and we're going to keep doing that, but together, gathered around food. Yeah, both them totally valid expressions of gospel communities, though very, very different. Um, and so that was the gospel community idea. And um, the beauty of a gospel community is that it is a family with a focus. And so in many ways, it's like a mini church. Lots of love, lots of love for the Lord, lots of love for one another, and lots of love for the lost. And we're working it out in various and diverse ways. Um, and so... The, the, the thing we want to highlight before we launch these gospel communities is, is that we, we will hear about visions that are quite different. Because I think some people basically say, look, I want to be part of a community where I can really focus on that, relate, that sort of missionary training stuff. I just want to, I want to be part of a community where we are really supporting one another in the places where God has put us. Whether it's our neighbourhood, whether it's our workplaces, where we're really looking to make that a meaningful central part of what we are. Or others might say, now we really want to gather, we burn with a very specific vision, we really want to gather to this. And both are absolutely valid. And we need to, we need to have within our hearts the breadth to be able to receive that. So no, there's both up in and out, both people, passion or place. It's cool. And not get locked in with restrictions that No one's ever really uh, placed on them, but people can get locked into assumptions. Both are valid, both are GCs. Does that make sense? And uh, we, you know, we, we've seen the numbers of gospel communities um, that haven't managed to stay the course up till now and, 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 and have closed for, for various reasons. Sometimes it's run its course. Other times there's, there's other, other factors that have been involved. Um, and it can be a, a, a kind of temptation to think, oh, is it going okay? I want to honestly, soberly say, and you know me, I'm not a salesman, okay, I'm being honest. They are going from strength to strength. We are learning lessons, we're refining things, we're putting resource and effort in increasingly, um, because we, we know that in order to, if, God, if it's God's plan for us to get bigger, then we need to get smaller. We, we just need to learn how to do that really good organic church on that smaller level. Yeah? 
and, and, and then we can really enjoy the big, the celebration and all of that. But we know people are in family. People are on mission together. So um, that's what I wanted to say. I'm going to hand over to Adam now. He's going to help us to launch some gospel communities. Yeah. Cool. I'll get the good bit. Um, I thought we could just do something to warm ourselves up quickly. Um, and this is dangerous because I haven't got my notebook with me. But if you're in a GC that I mentioned, jump up and then um, sit down again. So the village. Yay! Yeah. International students. Hey, St. Pancras Way. Hey, uh, Beyond Bars. Hey, uh, Fleet Arts Collective. Hey, oh, that's really quiet. Um, who else have we got? Welcome, GC. Hey, wow, mostly over there. NW5. <laughs> deepest, deepest cry. Um, Jizza. Yay! And who else that isn't launched? Homeless! Yay! Amazing. Cool. Um, so I'm going to invite uh, Luke and Sarah Ellis, Michael Dryden and uh, Foxy to come up to the front uh, see who we play. Um, so it's been a real privilege um, just to get around all the GC leaders over the last two months. I met up with all of them, and it's um, you know leading a GC. I've, like I've done it personally, and it, it's really, really challenging. And I think there's times when you're like, do you know what? I just can't bother to write this email, <laughs> but I've got to do it. And uh, and you do it, and God just uses it amazingly over time. And I think it's just beautiful to get that perspective where you're like, you know what? Obviously, we see the big things like um, food bank, thousands of people getting fed, but also like to get the perspective of each little GC and seeing the little testimonies of what God's doing, jobs provision, people um, hearing about Jesus for the first time, and all different things like that is is a real privilege. So, um, yeah, it's incredible, and also it's incredible to hear and see the growth, um, which is shown by. New GCs, uh, which is very exciting. So I'm just going to ask these guys to quickly share for one minute um, on a bit of the journey that um, that God's taken them on, where they are now, and uh, then we're going to pray for them. So, Foxy. Okay, so uh, most of you probably know by now that we have young people at church, teenagers. Yes! Amen, hallelujah. I'll tell you, I remember coming here, uh, well, seven years ago plus, and right from the early days of our prayer meetings, we would be praying um, for young people, for locals, for local families to be saved through teenagers. We've had countless prophetic words, real faith that's been born, um, and a lot of heartache and struggle. Um, but praise God, we are in the day of small beginnings, and we're rejoicing, um, and it's really exciting. So we took 10, teen, uh, 10 teenagers to New Day this year, which was amazing. And uh, if you want to know more about this, the, the crazy and exciting stuff that went on, come and grab me afterwards. There are 10 plus stories. Each of them have got some significant things that happened. It's amazing. Now, we are launching a GC. 
to house youth workers. We want to be proactive in, uh, in serving and loving the teenagers and enabling growth. Um, and we're just aware that to do that and do it well and meaningfully, it will be hard to get people meaningfully in other GCs as well as serving the youth and the mission and loving one another as youth workers and building each other up in faith. So we've created a youth workers GC to love one another and be proactive in growing. Bonjour. Um, so, ours is the second one, which is called Base Camp. Yeah. Bonjour. No. <laughs> Sorry, Hayesh. Um, so, this GC kind of came about, what, about nine months ago, where just, we weren't part of a GC, and it was kind of a funny time. We, we tried a few out, and for various reasons, with work commitments and uh, just busy lifestyles, it wasn't really working out. And through just conversations with a few different people, we, they were in a similar situation. So, we started to meet together on Saturday mornings to have breakfast. Um, and God's just really been doing something amazing in it. Um, so for what last six months, we've been meeting with various, a few like the same group of people, just having breakfast on Saturday mornings. And um, over the summer, the conversation was like, "Well, this should probably be a GC." Um, so yeah, we've been getting involved, and it came out because of coming out of the place of busy lifestyles. We were like, "We need to. We can't just be." a community which focuses in and everyone comes in and gets fed and we just realised that actually it's important to like the missionary trainer to be out in the workplace to be uh, influential in the spheres that were like the areas where we are um, so uh, and last Saturday we met together and Alex Morton um, had a word from God that our GC would be like a military base camp where people come in they, they get refueled they get fed and they get instructions and then they go back out um, which is where the name base camp came from which is coincidental the same initials as Breakfast Club. Um, <laughs> so it's just really exciting. We're, we're, we're trying to work out how the out works together by doing stuff like food bank and we're going to pub quizzes and trying to invite our friends. But yeah, it's just been a great time over the last six months to really kind of got draw some people together and just start to do some stuff with it. So that's us. And we're also welcoming to other people as well. Um, even though it's started from that group of people, we are open to more. Um, do you want to stand up actually, the people that are in currently? And there is some more, there is some more people, but, um, <laughs> so we have room to grow. So if you're interested, not in a GC or whatever, then come to us. Yeah. Hi, um, this is more of a relaunch. Um, so earlier this year, Fleet Arts Collective, we reached about 24 members, which is amazing. Praise God for that. 26. Oh, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, when you get to that size, like it becomes quite challenging to do family on a meaningful level and meaningful way. And um, Adam and I kind of took that away over the summer, and, and God led us on a journey of prayer and just really seeking Him for what would be the best thing to do, how to react. Um, I think what Steph just said about growing through becoming small again was really in, in line with what we were feeling. And um, yeah, the long and short of it is we've now multiplied into two groups. Whoa. <laughs> uh, but we're still meeting together as a bigger group once a month to kind of have that, that collective energy. Um, yeah, one group's there by me and one by Adam. Um, and we're both about eight, and, eight or nine people. And uh, yeah, just doing it in faith really that, that by next year we'll be in a similar position and both groups will have reached 20 plus and we might have to do this again. So yeah. yeah, amazing. Yes. So if you're in one of these three GCs, if you could just quickly come to the front, and we're just going to quickly pray for one minute for all of you. Um, so yeah, if you're in the GC, come to the front. If you're not, stand up, uh, please. Um, or don't stand up. 
<laughs> Whatever. I don't even care. Um, yeah, stand up, please. Thank you. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, if we could always have a burst of prayer, everyone praying out uh, for, for one minute. Thanks. Let's go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Father, I thank you that um, we hear your voice like Abraham heard your voice, Lord, that you love us as much as you loved him and that we live in the day where you've poured out your spirit on all flesh and you've said your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And we believe you to be a prophetic church that thrives, Lord, that not only um, does what we see with our human eyes, Lord, but we look to the future and attain things that seem unattainable. And I thank you that all of that is done in family, Lord. I thank you that we find our home in your presence together, Lord, and an eternal dwelling place of rest. And we just um, pray that over these three gospel communities, we thank you for your work in them. Thank you that every single person is an absolute miracle, Lord, that you're doing miraculous things through. Thank you, Father. Amen. Slater. You're on, mate. Give out for Slater. Good evening. You're, you're all still awake then. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, I wonder if I was to ask you a question, what is the most important thing in your life, what would you say? <laughs> I would imagine that for a lot of us, right, and certainly for me, it's our faith in Jesus Christ, right? If I was to ask you this question... Isn't Jesus? Where do you spend, or in your lifetime, where do you think you will spend most of your waking hours? In the workplace. You see, on Facebook, he said that. You see, you see what I did there? I think it's really important that as Christians, uh, we seriously think about what it means uh, to live as Christians, uh, to live out meaningful faith uh, in our workplaces. And that's certainly what I've been trying to do for the past uh, four years. So I'm really excited to be here to tell you uh, that the elders are backing a new series of events in 2015 for uh, breakfast on a Saturday morning looking at this very thing, faith at work. We've got, um, we've got a great lineup of speakers, uh, people that have gone the course uh, in terms of uh, living for Jesus in the workplace. Uh, we've got a great lineup of topics, um, some things that hopefully uh, everybody across all industries, uh, across different backgrounds, across different work- workplaces, not just those that wear a suit uh, or work in business, um, can engage with. Uh, we've got a great lineup of uh, food. I don't know if it's going to be cooked or continental yet, but we, we'll, we'll work something out. And, um, yeah, it would be great if you could join us on that. I'm not going to say too much more at this stage. Uh, there is more information on its way. Um, I'm just looking around for my fellow leaders. I can only see one. So Gemma Stockwood is helping me out. Uh, Susie Atwood is also helping me out, and Alex Morton. Uh, so if you have any questions, do come and ask us. Uh, but, yeah, Faith of Work, coming soon. Brilliant, mate. Nice one. All right, we are, we're coming into land now, so just, uh, what we're going to do, a few little, uh, this is coming up Sundays, there's a few Sundays coming up that you need to know about. Who remembers Nations Sunday last year? 
was cool, wasn't it? Um, we're going to go again for Nation Sunday on the 9th of November. Um, so basically what happens is you dress up in your national dress where, from where you come from and you bring your national food from where you come from and we celebrate the fact that every tribe, tongue and nation can find uh, that they are part of one new humanity in Jesus. Amen? That's what, we, that's what it's about. If you are from England, then please dress up smart. Dress up as you would go into a wedding. Why? Because if you don't, then basically what it ends up being is... Everyone who is uh, from England basically doesn't really make any effort on the day. So the closest thing we really get to a national dress is probably a suit and tie for guys and maybe a smart dress for the ladies, that kind of thing. So that's on the 9th of November. Uh, Our brilliant friends, the International Students GC, are going to be organising this event for us. So they will be giving us information, helping us know what to bring. That will all be coming through. But please just mark off the date, 9th of November. 14th of November. Uh, no, I'm just doing Sundays. The other stuff we're doing... No, just Sundays. Um, information overload otherwise. Um, 7th of December. Um, we don't know where we're going to be meeting on that Sunday because Haverstock say we can't meet there that day. So we're just looking at where we're going to be. So just want to flag that one. Um, see you somewhere, yeah? We'll we'll figure it out and we'll let you know. But we're used to the nomadic thing and um, we can do that, can't we? Yeah, Yeah, great. 14th of December, we're going to be saying goodbye to the Tarries on Sunday. So we'll kind of build the Sunday round that. We've never really sent off an elder and their family before. It is a big deal. We want to make a big deal of it. So um, we'll probably work out something around praying, crying, eating, that sort of thing. Is that cool? 14th of December. Hold that date. Um, This year we are doing our carol service on the 21st. Now originally it was for logistical reasons. We were told that we couldn't have a a stock on the 14th as well. So we thought we'll do a carol service on the 21st and work towards that. Then they changed. We thought, blur it's too late now. So, um, and I think also our demographic has changed where we are. We are not sort of 50% students anymore. I think we can legitimately run a good carol service on the 21st and expect a lot of people to come. Um, we are going to be having it at St. Martin's Church of England Church. Yes. So, um, that is, uh, we've, we've got a great relationship there, or a growing relationship with the vicar there, Chris Bryce, lovely man. He's very happy for us to use it. Um, we can have our service at 6pm. Um, the kids would have broken up from schools by then, so that's kind of, that time works. And it's just, it's just quite a beautiful building. We won't have to do a lot of work on it as we normally do. Um, and I think we can just make it, make it work without the kind of, uh, stupendous effort it has previously taken. Uh, our wonderful friends at the Fleet Arts Collective, Collectives, Collective, I don't know, they're going to be organising that for us, okay? So they're going to be really making that event happen for us, which we thank God for you for doing that. Um, so that's on the 21st, so put that date in your diary, um, 6 till 7 and then mince pies and things after that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's that for now. Um, any questions on those dates? Great.
Well, we'll try and make sure that you get it on your diaries and emails and stuff, so you know. But it's a, there's a few things going on, and um, we just would ask you to uh, mark them as important in your diary and in your heart. Um, they're big things that we really want to do well. Um, there will also be a special offering on our Nation Sunday. We run, two, we we hold two special offerings a year, um, and both of those offerings we take half. Uh, we'll go for the um, for the housing um, fund, and then. Um, each separate offering we will take the other half and uh, sometimes well one of those offerings we will get behind a um, a relational mission pathways from poverty initiative which we'll be doing in November we'll show videos on that so you know what that that is so you know what you're giving to and then the one in March on our birthday Sunday will go towards um, typically it's gone towards church plants that we're involved with so we want to give that money to the Frankfurt guys to really get behind that financially so two offerings a year the next one will be on Nation Sunday okay we're going to end now with uh, I, I ask um, yeah. um, just to say as well we've got um, an initial calendar for next term so I know that a lot of you guys you know you want to be at stuff but if the date's in January it's actually not that far away so all these dates are set but they're not all the dates so if on the way out um, Dave White will give you a calendar just so you can really make sure you get to what you want to get to sorry alright down the iPad there you go um, I, we're going to end now with a video I asked Mike Betts if he'd do a little video for us um, many of you. Who, 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 who knows who Mike is now? Okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, growing friendship with Mike. Uh, it's sometimes, it's sometimes. Let me just share my heart for 30 seconds before you show the video. It's sometimes really hard to try to communicate the value of a relationship when you know that the people you're trying to communicate it to are not as involved in that relationship as you are. Does that make sense? And and so I think what I'm going to have to because I, I really do want us as a church to embrace this man in our hearts. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hope that there is some trust in the bank with you towards me. <laughs> and I want to say this is a very, very special man. And he's been an incredible help personally. He's been an incredible help to myself and Davina and our family. He's been an incredible help to our eldership. And, and as a result of that, in many indirect ways, he's been an incredible help to us as a church. But I also know that you have enjoyed having him with us on Sundays and at the weekend away. Um, and so I, I just want to find ways, if you like, of helping you to connect with him, helping him connect with us. He loves this church. He really does. And um, he's, a, he's a very busy guy, and we've, we've, we've had him a disproportionate amount of time to what a lot of churches do. He loves being around us, and uh, he's, he's just... Uh, I just want to commend him to you, really, and, and ask that, that you would have room in your heart for him. Um, I think sometimes we can be a bit edgy in London and a bit suspicious and a little bit uh, sometimes a bit a bit sharper than other places in the country we can just get a bit tough uh, but I want to ask you to open your heart to this guy because I trust him as a man of real real solid solid character and so I just said Mike let's just do this quick bid tell us what RM is because I, when I try and do it it never comes out right and I feel like I'm talking another language and um, tell us what tell us why it's you know, what, what, biblically, what does it mean? How can we connect with you? And uh, and then he also he just threw another a few things in for us, you know, because he loves us. So it's about twelve minutes long, and then at the end, he's just going to wrap up, and we're done. Is that cool? Yeah. Brilliant.
Well, hi, uh, Steph, and uh, all you guys down there um, in Camden. It's, uh, uh, I would have loved to have been there personally, but um, I couldn't make it this evening. But um, firstly, just to say hi on the video, um, and to reflect back to uh, the great church weekend you had at Epping that Sue and I came to. We really loved being with you and just kind of getting to know a few more people and seeing really how much God was doing among you. It was wonderful, just a great weekend bonding together and just seeing you knit together as family and uh, good to meet uh, Max, the church dog as well. Excellent. Every church should have one. Uh, anyway, um, Steph asked me just to do a few, say a few things just about relational mission. Now, I don't know whether you realise or not, I hope most of you do by now, that um, as a church you're part of relational mission, which is now one of the apostolic spheres that kind of has been birthed out of New Frontiers. New Frontiers now being the collective term used to describe the apostles who lead the teams, but each team now has its own name, um, and um, so New Frontiers is, is a different kind of definition now. So each each team has to have a name simply um, for things like charities and banks and all that kind of stuff, and just to help us with... Um, with publicity, all that kind of stuff. I didn't particularly want to be MikeBets.com. doesn't really appeal to me. So anyway, relational mission was something we came up with, which kind of tried to describe a little bit about what we want to be, very relational in terms of how we connect together, and very missional, that it's with purpose. Um, so um, what is relational mission? Well, in Scripture, Paul talks about the churches and commends one particular church, and he says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. And that can feel a little bit of a strange way of writing of churches giving themselves to a person, but I think what Paul was saying is that actually the New Testament pattern of church life is for local churches to be planted that have elders that are then appointed and those elders are responsible governmentally for that local church. It's, it's, it, the, elder, the authority rests with the elders. But beyond that, Ephesians 4 talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists and particularly says that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets and that's not talking about Old Testament apostles and prophets it's clearly talking about New Testament um, apostles because it says when Jesus ascended he gave these gifts to men and they are gifts to people and so those people become gifts so even though I find it a little bit awkward because I'm from the West and I'm a little bit of an introvert anyway um, I kind of just have to say well, I, you know, I seem to recognise that the Lord seems to have given me grace to um, have an apostolic ministry alongside the team working with me and Steph is part of that team and uh, there are other uh, men and women who are serving in and out of the churches in a translocal way and there seems to be this thing in scripture where it's a relational giving of oneself as a church to working with an apostle where you feel a sense of connection and um, primarily obviously that came back through connection with Steph and um, then with the elders and then with you as a wider church um, and that is work in progress because we've only been going a little while we're, we're only perhaps a couple of years in really so it takes a little while and there's probably about 60 or 70 church churches or church plants that we're involved in as relational mission obviously you know I can't be everywhere it's not all about me anyway my heart very much is to multiply ministry and have good supply lines of ministry going in and out of all the churches in different ways so it's very biblical that we build not organizationally but we build to people 
and that is only really one generational. Um, I'm always sobered by the idea that it says um, um, a gener- in Egypt a generation arose that did not know Joseph, and this was after he died. And you think, goodness, he was the most prominent figure in the nation next to Pharaoh, and yet a generation later he'd been forgotten. So we can't enshrine these things in documents and create sort of denominational things to hold it all together. That's a bit like Peter and John trying to build booths for the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. We can't do that. We can only steward it in our own day, and we can invest it in other people so that, you know, for me, my mission, I believe, is to try and raise up spiritual sons and daughters in the nations and multiply other apostolic spheres so that I can, in future days, if the Lord gives me many more years, I can look at many emerging apostolic networks of churches and families of churches that we we have given birth to. That That's how it's supposed to be, I believe. Um, now that means we've got to work at it together now in our day to make it, uh, we're all in it together, to quote High School Musical. I didn't know I knew that, did you? Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, and so why as a church should you be part of Relational Mission or any other apostolic um, family for, well I think firstly no local church I don't believe can handle all its own issues itself so from time to time ministries external to that local church need to help the elders are governmentally responsible and it's received ministry the authority is invited authority but it's authority received with grace because it's recognised but elders have the final say but they invite in people with a grace gift to help and also I think the Bible seems to give indications that apostolic ministry does, does a few things firstly it, um, it puts a plumb line of doctrine in place so that all the churches are, are well taught and we don't have errors and things going off in all sorts of directions so it's a good plumb line of doctrine a body of doctrine that is laid in all the churches not to make them clones but to, because each church has got its own unique DNA but to make sure that the fundamentals are kept safe and, and stewarded well so, so there's plumb line of doctrine there's uh, impartation of the spirit so whenever there's apostolic ministry of touching the life of the church there should be a deposit laid in some way shape or form next is care of the churches that means uh, appointment of elders and making sure that, that all the issues to do with church life are, are, are well looked after by the elders serving the elders making sure the church is well looked after in all the ways that, that we can serve then there's catching the church up into regions beyond so as a family of churches we're involved in about 20 church plants at the moment some of those you guys are particularly funding thinking about you know, uh, you know sourcing not funding um, particularly supplying people to think about Frankfurt places like that where, where, where there's this kind of a giving and I think there's many others going to come from you and from other churches and, and doing that together so you're not trying to do it just on your own but doing it with an apostolic team doing it in collective with the the other 60 or 70 churches together saying we're going to press through pray about this finance this sort resource this team it together that really does give us clout um, to be able to do things that we wouldn't be able to do locally on our own and then the other thing I think Absolute Ministry does is a work with the poor and Pathways from Poverty is our particular initiative that we're trying to spread right throughout the churches that we're, we're working in as well as help developing world situations particularly Edward Burrier in Kenya we work very closely with in another, in another sphere just to try and bless him and help him um, and all that he's doing there and, and, and um, 
I believe that's really important. So those are the kind of things that I think really add value. They add value to being part of something like Relational Mission rather than just being a local church on your own. Plus, I get to see such lovely people as you, uh, which is which is great. So how can you partner with Relational Mission? How can you kind of develop this individually a bit more? Well, I think sign up for the news updates. If you go on the website, I think there are some the buttony things you can click to get news updates. Please do that. So if everybody got hold of those, then dates and important things would come through. Um, so I think you can sign up for that on the website. I think follow us on Twitter, Relational Mission, Relational Mission on Twitter, or MikeBet62. Um, you can pray, and we're going to have a launch of something called Enough next year, which is three times a year. We're going to gather for half nights of prayer, all the churches together in different centres, and I particularly um, encourage you just to note those dates when they come up. Um, my aim is to try and get a thousand people praying all at the same time for a common agenda across uh, various bases that we set up on those three half nights and to build it up so that we end up going through the thousands to, to, to I've, I just really believe that corporate prayer is going to be very important so that's something where we can really have some clout together to join with brothers and sisters and Skype in people from plants and different places I mean it'd be great you know if we can sort of help encourage people who are sort of on their own a little bit and pioneering just Skype them into a big prayer meeting pray for them that's sort of stuff so we'll tell you a bit more about that as it gets on um, you can get involved in church planting or other uh, being trained get involved in, in, in um, making your talents available there's lots of different things like worship the arts evangelism business um, uh, people uh, children's work all these kind of things are beginning to have little groupings across the churches beginning to network together sharing experience sharing wisdom sharing ideas uh, I would encourage you to let Steph or the other elders know if you if you think you've got something you can contribute into the wider scene um and I particularly just wanted to encourage you as a church there's obviously a very clear DNA amongst you in creativity and I'm just noticing uh, Alice's new um, uh, CD, um, album project and I do pray that gets going it just, just looks fantastic and I know there's so many of you so gifted I really want to encourage you to fla- begin to flavour relational mission begin to flavour it with, rela- with Revelation uh, Camden's DNA because you've got something very special to affect our worship, to affect what we do corporately, to be able to let your sound be heard, your flavour, your, in a good way, the yeast works through the batch of dough. I think if, if you can, not, not, not in a, not in a sort of a, a, a strident, boastful way, which I know you wouldn't do anyway, but, it, but nevertheless, let your light shine. There's things you've got where you are that, that need to break out of Camden and, and affect um, the nations and affect this nation, the churches that we're, we're working with as a family. I, I love it when I'm with you guys and I love the creativity I love the passion the zeal please give yourselves into the place where you are there I know sometimes working in the in the city there is quite tough it's quite a lot of pressures on you uniquely in that kind of urban setting and I, I, I really do appreciate that a little bit without having without living in it myself and I say it is worth it there's something you're doing there that's really got something of God's fingerprint on it and um, thank you too for releasing Steph for some of his time now as he's taking on overseeing training right across the church that's a big responsibility it's a great opportunity and I he, I think he's just so gifted for that this is the right guy in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and I'm trying to also nurture him and encourage him and release him to be able to just input other churches as, as he's able to and realise he's you know there's lots of time pressures 
because of you know local church the family and all the rest of it yeah we, we want to you know look after look after them and look after all of those who are serving in and out so i hope that is of some help and uh, that gives you some idea of what we're about together so god bless you and i look forward to being with you again hopefully not too distant future take care okay have a good evening bye Wow. What a position we're in as a church, man. It's just, I'm blown away tonight. And if any of you are like me, for days I'll be processing this evening and thinking of, oh, yes, I remember that. It is recorded, so it'll get sent out. Um, But I think it's just good for us to just now be still. A lot's been said, a lot's been shared, etc. Let's just be still and, and I'll pray to end it. Father, we thank you for your hand on us as a church. Thank you, God. We This evening has just been a real demonstration and acknowledgement of your work among us. Lord, we love it. We pray that you would do these and you would do more, Father, because we love seeing your name glorified. We love seeing your kingdom established. And we're honoured of the fact that you want to use us to do that. God, so we commit ourselves to you now totally commit ourselves and say God we are yours this church is yours the, the flavor and everything that Mike was talking about it's all because of you it's you pouring your spirit out on us by your grace Lord so we want to just thank you for all you've done and we want to say Lord give us faith to see much more in the coming seasons Father God so we thank you for this evening I'll pray every single one of us uh, would get home safe, would have a good night rest, Lord, and be able to be fully functional for tomorrow to do your will again, Father. So we pray you bless us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys.